The Narwhal, the Unicorn of the Sea. This is a show about jewelry, why we wear it, why it matters, how it's made, and what it means. I'm Alex D, and I turn cannabis into gold. I make mind-blowing jewelry in gold, silver, and platinum from cannabis plants here in Canada for stage, screen, for people who want to rock crazy jewelry. I'm the Cannabis Goldsmith. So if you've been listening along um, since the beginning, when I reviewed the Grammy Awards, the Jewelry at the Grammys and the Jewelry at the Academy Awards, you can you can see how sort of disappointed I was with the actual quality of the the designs, how they weren't sort of reflecting modern culture, but more older culture, or they they didn't take a position, a cultural position or anything. They were just like expensive uh, no vibe so i started thinking about vibe and and how i could bring vibe to these some of these award shows that especially the music award shows and and i got this idea of creating a brooch or a man pin or a stud pin as i like to call it for the uh for an award show for a for a music award show, maybe the Grammys. Again, this is a disclaimer. This is not related to the Grammys in any way, but this is ultimately I'm looking at a place where my piece could be worn, and this might be a place. Or uh, we have a Canadian award show here, the Juno Awards, which is like a, a smaller scale. But anyway, I'll talk about that in a bit. But but I was thinking about what could I make to make a music-related brooch or man pen or stud pen for the award show. And and it, I had this idea, let's make a small record out of uh, 18 karat gold. I'll make a small uh, vinyl record, except it'll be made out of 18 karat gold as a pin. And I'll make it a white label yeah, for DJs. Like, because DJs back in the day would get advanced copies of records to play of the songs. And... Sometimes even the labels weren't even printed yet at the factory for these. These were called test pressings, and they would have a white label. They were called white labels or test pressings. Some of them even had test pressing stamped on them or written on them in hand or by hand or whatever with the name of the track written on the, the white label. So I had this idea. A, a white label is a very DJ term. It's very music. It's, it's, it's all about the advanced getting the advanced copy, getting the, getting the copy before anyone else could get it. This is, this is the vibe imbued in a white label record. And for those of you who don't even know what records are anymore, these are 12-inch discs of vinyl that people play on turntables. All right. Anyway, so the white label was just like a, the record would be black and then the, the label in the center would be white. And I thought, what if I make the record 18 karat gold? And the white label white, and then shrink it all down, and put it, make it into a pin or a brooch or something that could be worn on a tuxedo or on a dress, on an epic outfit at the Grammys or the Junos or one of these awards, music award shows. So I designed, I drew it out, but I couldn't think of something to put in the middle for the white label. Now it it has to be. 
a precious material because like this is a this is a high jewelry piece right i can't use plastic or ceramic or wood it has to be something very special and so i started looking at gemstones that were white in color that i could that i could polish and cut down to a thin thin flat disc that i could put in the middle of this gold record and this is only like i you know three inch not three inches even like inch and a half across max where's my ruler here's my ruler uh, this pin is going to be like maybe, no, f um, five, yeah, inch and a half, maybe two inches at the max, probably maximum diameter. So this little, this little white label in the middle, like it's not a huge size, but it has to be special. So I thought, look, I'm a Canadian jeweler and all our products are, I, I stress the fact that everything we make is Canadian. We make everything here. We use Canadian North American materials in it. And uh, this is our claim to fame. This is this is why people come to us for the quality of our products. So I thought, okay, this is going to be Canadian. I want to make it super Canadian. So what about narwhal tusk? Narwhal tusk, right? That's white. It's like a kind of an ivory. I sort of thought, and and I started trying to research where to get some narwhal tusk, and it's like the narwhal. I was thinking. The unicorn of the sea. I mean, this is a, a Canadian, a northern Canadian sea animal. It's like a, a medium-sized whale. I didn't know too much about it, so I started researching. It's like a, a medium-sized whale. And the horn that it has sticking out of it, the front, I thought it came out of the forehead, right? But no, no. This is a your your incisor tooth, your cana your canine tooth. This is the whale's left tooth, usually, that's grown super long and turned into this this tusk, this, like, unicorn horn sticking out of the front of this animal. And um, it's it's a kind of ivory. And I thought, this would be an amazing... Oh, I could get a tiny piece of this and and uh, and sand it down and cut it to, to become the white label, the centerpiece of this... 18 karat gold brooch, right? I think this is going to be great. And then I could kind of compression fit it into the middle. See, with jewelry like this, you you don't want to be using adhesives or glues or anything like that. What I'm going to do is just cut a hole in the center of this 18 karat gold record, this tiny little record, and then pressure fit that, that disc of narwhal tusk into the center so it holds, right? And then on the back of it, I'm going to put a pin back so you can pin it on your tux or, or outfit. Now, now that it's a simple design, but it's, you know, like a thousand percent Canadian and amazing. So I was, did some research on the narwhal tusk and I'm thinking, okay, um, these are animals are there. There's, there's the indigenous people are allowed to hunt them. And there's like, there's an incredible amount of legislation and laws around hunting and them and it's hard to get these this tusk to work with as a material as a jeweler i mean people you can go online and get it get it i suppose but it's is it real and what is the provenance of it and i don't want to really be doing that because it's like who knows where it came from kind of thing there are some places that sell it that online that claim that it's like, you know, it's, it's found or whatever from, from back in the day. And, um, 
anyway, anyway, I didn't know how to deal with any of that shit. So I, d I put it at the back of my mind, but I was thinking, you know, this is a piece I want to make. I, I'm, I'm being drawn to try and engage, get jewelry engaged in other, in other areas like the music industry. It, it needs to be better engaged with the music industry and better engaged with the, uh, the, the movie award show kind of thing. It, these are these are showcases for art and jewelry pieces, not just uh, fashion. Uh, so so why why isn't it better or more creative or different? So I thought this this piece is going to be just great at an award show. It's going to be just just amazing, a music related piece, right? So anyway, I put the whole narwhal tusk thing out of my mind and. As I mentioned last week, I, I was going up to Perth, Ontario to um, to pick up this mandrel thing, which is like a, it's kind of like an anvil, a specially shaped anvil that jewelers use to hammer shit on. Like if you, you get them in the shape of uh, human arms where you can like hammer a bracelet right on it. It's steel, right? Or this one was a neck and chest. And the purpose of it was if you were had a, uh, a neck piece or something, you could put it on this, this anvil and hammer it because it's the shape of a human kind of thing. Right. So this was the reason I went up to Perth and I, I drove up there and I, on the map, it didn't look too far from where I was, where I am in, on the river here, but it was a long drive. Maybe it's cause I hadn't been there before. It was like, it seemed like it was really long, maybe two hours or whatever on I, I didn't know where I was going, but I, I got up, I got up there and, uh, to the jeweler who was selling this thing who I'd bought, I'd sent her the money and I was just going to pick it up. I had no other expectations. I went up there and I was like, okay, I'm just going to get this thing. I'm going to go for a nice drive and just explore the area because sometimes that's really good for an artist to get out and just no, it's always good for an artist to get out and explore new areas because it triggers ideas, new ideas and inspirations. So anyway, I was dry. I drove up and I found this place and it was like tucked away in the in the woods. It was kind of really interesting, like a kind of a dirt road going down into this almost like valley area. There were greenhouses uh, scattered around there were little paths all around this beautifully maintained like forested area there were sculptures like little meadows cut into the forest with sculptures and benches like everywhere oh it's like a it's an amazing like forested space right and there there seemed to be three or four really cool houses like our buildings on this land on this property um, like really cool, like something you would see in like Dwell magazine or something coming out of the forest and, and obviously artists, right, live there. You, you could immediately know this, even if there was no sculptures, it's just the vibe, the whole vibe of this place, right? It was just so nice for an artist like me just to, just to, to be there. It was like amazing. So anyway, I banged on the door and, and met the jeweler, uh, Ellen, who lived there with her partner uh, in the greenhouses. Her partner grows uh, succulents and perennials for sale, I guess, in the area locally. Um, this is near Ottawa, so I guess people come from Ottawa and in the surrounding areas to buy uh, their their plants and stuff, right? And then she was a jeweler 
in, it seemed to be a painter too, because I saw a lot of paintings and stuff around. And there were little studio buildings set up around this, uh, this land. And anyway, she walked me into her jewelry studio and, and got me this, um, this mandrel, this, this steel chest mandrel thing that I had bought. And we got talking about jewelry and she was telling me, you know, she showed my Astor if I could see some of her stuff and she showed me, you know, her work's excellent. And, and every jeweler has their own design, right? Their own vibe. And, and uh, it's so nice seeing another person's jewelry and seeing how, what, what they, how they see the world and how they make it into pieces. Right. And, uh, so I enjoyed that a lot. And I started saying, you know, I'm, I'm working on what I'm working on now. I told her I'm working on this piece. I, I need a, it's a music, it's a piece for an award show. Uh, hopefully the Grammys next year, some Canadian artist is going to wear it on their, on their tux or on their dress for this uh, event, for an event like this. And, and I'm looking for a piece of narwhal tusk and for this there, because I need a white, she said, I have. I said, what? She said, yeah, I have narwhal tusk. You want some? I was like, no, you're kidding. You, you have narwhal tusk? She said, yeah, you know, I used to, when I was younger, I was up in the, uh, up in Northern Canada, up in the Arctic. I was teaching indigenous people how to, how to make jewelry and teaching them jewelry making skills that they could use, right. To make their own stuff. So I was up there and I have got a little bit of narwhal Tuscan and some other stuff here. And she, she went into a, pulled up this little plastic bag, this baggie. And in there was like. There was antlers and little little bits of pieces, and then she pulled out this this gnar piece of narwhal tusk and said, "Here," and I was like, "Holy crap! This is exactly what I need!" Like, how how you know? Like, this is like this this is meant to happen. Obviously, this this music brooch thing is is definitely meant to happen. Like, this is I, I'm in the you know I'm literally. 1,500 miles from the sea, you know? I'm not even close to a shore, an ocean shoreline here. I'm like, and here's the narwhal tusk in my hand, right? And I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, ooh, ooh, this is going to be an amazing jewelry piece. So, yeah. So that's what I'm I, I'm doing now. I, I've got this piece of narwhal tusk, and I, it's, it's very, it's an interesting material. I mean, if you have ever seen some deer antler, it's like that. It's sort of like that, but it's much more dense. It's a heavy, heavy material. And the grain across it, she, she had another piece there that she uh, showed me. It, it can crack, um, it can be grainy, or it can be super fine grain, like the piece that uh, I got from her. It's a dense and super fine grain. So this is perfect for me. I can cut a little disc of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to figure out how to do this. Uh, cut a small disc of it to use as the white label in the center of this gold record and polish it flat. And I think because it has such a density, it's like a hard it, it, ivory or, or antler... It's really strong, right? If you get a good piece with super fine grain. So I'm hoping if I could get it thin enough where it's almost transparent, 
um, and then compression fitted into the center of this gold, little tiny gold record. It's going to be just beautiful. It'll be a beautiful piece. So that's the goal. I've been thinking a lot about our Canadian music kind of industry sector too. I mean, I thought, you know, as I was making, I'm, as I'm designing this, this piece for the award show, it's like, okay, what about, what about our sector? How, how can we get more jewelry in our, in our award shows? I was thinking, okay, well, what I, I, I did on Monday is I sent an email to my jewelry association, the board of directors of uh, my jewelry associate, Canadian Jewelers Association here, pitching them the idea that, look, let's engage, if we can, let's get the association engaged with some Canadian award shows to make Canadian, to showcase Canadian jewelry on the artists at the shows. I mean, this is what I'm pitching. So this is, I think it would be a win-win for Canadian jewelers, and it would be great for the musicians too, because they, frankly, look, the Junos, well, our artists are amazing, but we need to make them prettier and more studly, more handsome, right? We need to we need to deck them out with the most amazing Canadian jewelry there is. That's what we need to do. We can't just let them go up on stage to accept these awards for amazing achievements wearing no jewelry. Like that is just horrible. No, we can't let that happen. So I thought, let's let me, let, let me contact the board of directors of the Canadian Jewelers Association, and um, who I am a member of, and let's talk them into um, working to engage with the Juno Awards and also uh, the Acting Awards in Canada. We have Gemini Awards here. There's probably some others. Let's 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 pick one and let's go whole hog. I say let's do music first because um, the music people need the most help with jewelry, in my opinion, right away. Uh, in Canada. So let's do it. And what this would do, it would not only help the musicians look even more fabulous than they do, but it would showcase Canadian jewelers, manufacturing and products designed in Canada and made in Canada to the rest of Canada. So that's a start, right? And then for people who might be touching the show from outside Canada, it would be an opportunity to showcase Canadian jewelry products. Now that's my idea. And um, I'm recording this now on Sunday. So tomorrow I'm pitching it to them with an email. And I know associations are sluggish and slow and they're set in their ways and stuff. But this is something I think that might be a low or no investment thing. It's just like, let's work together to, 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 Let's let's make Canadian jewelry more famous, right? That's what we're gonna do. So anyway, we'll see what they say. But anyway, I'm working on I'm working on this piece for the American shows. This the record piece here is this is gonna be I'm looking for maximum visibility. And that means that means eyeballs, right? Outside of Canada. I'm an export jeweler, so I'm a custom export jeweler. We, you know, somebody from from New York will send me an email and say, okay, I need a cannabis leaf, a ring made from a cannabis leaf for a wedding anniversary. Can you do it? And it's like, of course, this is, this is all we do, really. We're, we're the specialists in this. This is what Tribe does. We're world-renowned for making 
cannabis leaves into amazing high jewelry. Yeah, so then we make it, we create it, design it, and then ship it like to them. Like it's that, that's how it works, right? So it's always good for us to have people seeing our work. And when you're a custom jeweler that makes, we don't do mass market, so we, we don't make thousands of products. So it's less visibility. Like if we make one piece for one client, I mean, they're enjoying it, but no one else is seeing it, right? So, or, or <laughs> very few people are seeing it except them and their friends or whatever. So I'm thinking, let's, let's get a piece into an award show and let's make it, you know, the award shows need help. You can just see, look, like go back and look at this year's Grammys or this year's uh, Oscars. And you can say, go to the, look at the Met Gala and see what the people are wearing in the way of jewelry. They definitely need, they need, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I'm working on the, the music piece for that. But I think it's good for jewelers to get engaged in, in other, in other scenes like, if you don't know what I'm talking about is the scene, right? These there's a word called a scene. I think that applies. It's I think I think it's more of a marketing term than anything else. That's the way I look at it. I mean, when I started Tribe Magazine in the, in 1993, uh, we were covering the underground house music DJ culture warehouse scene. You know, people who liked house music, they went to these after-hour parties and like and dance or or these specialized nightclubs and they 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 dance to house music so that was a house music scene then there was a techno scene people who liked harder faster more computer generated music that was the techno scene and sometimes the borders between these scenes were so rigid even though they weren't real they're were just imagined borders they they'd be so rigid that people would would get siloed and they wouldn't cross over into these other scenes right so it's always good to to meld them together once in a while because new ideas come out of that and new products come out of that new art comes out of that so i think melding music and jewelry the melding the music and the jewelry scenes which we're trying to do with our dj our DJ collection, uh, a lot of interesting products are coming out of that, I think. I mean, I'm tooting my own marketing horn here, but what the hell, it's true. Um, and then if we go into other areas like like award shows, we can use the award show as a platform and the star, we can make the stars look fabulous. I'm just, I'm just thinking this is a win-win for everybody. So I'm going to, tomorrow morning, the first thing I'm going to do is send an email to the Canadian Jewelers Association Board of Directors and pitch this idea to them and see what happens. Likely nothing, but who knows? I'm always up for, for new ideas. Obviously, they need somebody to, to, to do this. I don't know if I have the time, but I could probably do it as a side project, just a, a, an outreach thing. The plants are in the ground. Yesterday, I did gardening all day. It was hard. Jesus, it's hard, you know? You people who have teams of gardeners doing your work for you, um, great and good for you. But I'm kind of like my parents where it was like, you know, I could probably get somebody to do this work, but I think it's good for me to do it, so I do it. I, 
I was out like it takes a whole day to mow this lawn. It's like crazy. It's it's come in Toronto. The lawn I had there was only like it took two passes with the lawnmower and it was done. That was it. This takes a whole day. So anyway, yesterday I was doing all the gardening and doing the little bits of cleaning up and all that stuff. And I've got uh, a plot for vegetables and I've got an area for my four weed plants that we can grow in Canada, which I'm going to use for leaves for designs. And also the roots we're going to use this fall for uh, designs. So after the plant, the life cycle of the plant, the full life cycle, after it flowers and dies, I'm going to dig out the roots and use the roots to make jewelry pieces, which will cast in precious metals. Now, what I've done also this year, I've, I've positioned the plants in different places. And sometimes I've found that when you stress the plants out a bit, like I'm not hurting them, but when you give them a bit of stress, they make all these different, they go different directions. Like the bonsai people know this, right? They do heavy pruning and they, they adjust the shape of the, the plant to fit these artistic forms, right? Some of it can be quite just stunning, right? Just beautiful. I'm not going that that much. But what I'm doing is I'm doing it underground. I'm planting a cannabis plant and in the place where the roots in the the the, the hole that we're digging that I that I dug for the the plant that we get it out of the pot and pop it into the hole in the ground. What I do is I put objects in the hole. So it allows the roots to grow around in different ways instead of just straight through the soil. Like if you've got a rocky soil, the roots will go around the rocks and stuff. This is what, if you, you can understand where I'm going with this. So the roots will bend and go different directions and not and do different things. And this is what I want from the roots. At the end in November, when I chop these suckers down and dig the roots out, I want to see how the turns and twists of the roots have made over the course of the growing season through these like objects that I've put into the ground to allow them to grow around. I, I want to get interesting bends in the roots that really look cool when you cast them in silver or gold. That looks really cool when these roots bend, have little bends and things in them. So that's what I'm doing. I'm working with the plants over the, the plant will be doing most of the work underground and we won't get to see what it looks like until the fall. Now, as these plants grow over the year, I'm going to be snipping leaves off them and casting them in different plastics and wax, which is what I do here in the design studio. We don't do the hot metal. We don't do precious metal stuff in the shop here. I just do the designs and then I send them to our master goldsmith in Toronto and they do the hot metal. He's doing the hot metal stuff down there with the precious metals so i'm working on the the master models basically the the things that that we we later burn out or later they get destroyed in order to make the the gold pieces and stuff in toronto so anyway i'm i'll be picking leaves off these plants over the course of the summer and and making precasts and in wax and different specialized resins we use to make these master models that i'll send to toronto 
in order to make huge bee cells that we found like you you need an outdoor plant you can't grow big enough plants in a tent to to get a leaf size for the stuff we need sometimes like if i need a six inch long leaf or eight inch long leaf you can't get that in a in a tent it just is not possible so this is why i love the outdoor cannabis plants for making jewelry once the plants start growing, I get design ideas about different ways to use them. And the plants change as they grow. Uh, every cannabis plant goes through a series of phases from the time it's a seed to the time it flowers and dies. And these are distinct phases when the, the plant changes what it looks like and, and how, how it is structurally, like the leaves thicken or get thinner. They change shape. And then there's also the type of variety the cannabis is. Like, I've grown all these varieties from seed, so I have no idea what they're going to be like when they, when they mature. And I got the seed from, a good, from good sources, but who knows these days, like, really? I mean, and then there's weird stuff the plants do. So cannabis plants have been so inbred that you you can get two of the same seeds from the same thing and they will come out different like it's just just weird but anyway i got good seed i grew the plants they're about i don't know six or eight inches ten inches tall now and they're in the in the ground so we'll see what happens in the fall so today what am i doing today it's Sunday. Uh, I should write that email to the Jewelers Association. I'll send it off to them to see if we can get them engaged in the Canadian. Uh, let's get some Canadian jewelry into the Canadian award shows. They're in our own backyard, right? So let's do it. Let's get some Canadian jewelers uh, work, uh, the work of Canada showcased to Canadians. And as a, as a side benefit of the beautiful music our Canadians make. The Cannabis Goldsmith is produced by Tribe Communications, Inc. in the Thousand Islands area of Ontario, Canada. You can see what we do at tribe.ca. Send us an email, alexd at cannabisgoldsmith.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on The Cannabis Goldsmith. So, the narwhal is a medium-sized tooth whale. It lives year-round in the Arctic waters around Greenland, Canada, and Russia. It feeds on flatfish under dense pack ice. It can dive up to 1,500 meters under the sea and stay underwater for up to 25 minutes at a time. It communicates with clicks, whistles, and knocks. It can live up to 50 years. It's hunted by the Inuit for meat and ivory and is in a regulated subsistence hunt. So it's highly controlled. The hunt of, of this animal is highly controlled. The tusk is used by the Inuit for carving, making tools, jewelry, and is a symbol of status and wealth. The tusk is also believed by some Inuit to have spiritual and medicinal powers, such as curing illness, warding off evil spirits, and ensuring a good hunt. The narwhal is considered a sacred animal by some Inuit who believe it was created by the sea goddess Sedna or that it carries the souls of the dead to the afterlife. Now that's a serious power symbol, the narwhal.
And that's what we're putting in the center of this magnificent jewelry piece.